Welcome to episode 11. So, fat is making you fat. Newsflash. But which fat? That's the question. There's so much information out there. Fat is good. Fat is bad. Fat is toxic. The keto diet, which is pretty much all fat, is the answer. What is the actual truth? That's what we're going to discuss on today's show. So, let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Thanks so much for being here. I'm excited to be here for episode 11, another show. I'm excited to talk about fat. But before I get into it, I just want to do a quick thank you. A thank you to you guys, all the listeners around the world. Uh, This has been running for only a couple of weeks now, and I'm absolutely stoked to say that I've had hundreds and hundreds more listens at this point in time than I ever expected. And I just want to do a quick few thank yous to people in different parts of the world. So, I want to do a big thank you to everyone in North America in both Canada and the USA. I've had uh, a lot of listens from there and a lot of my written reviews are from the USA. So, thank you so much for contributing to the growth of this podcast and I'm so, so happy to know that it's contributing positively to your lives as well. And also uh, around the globe, we we ranked in the iTunes charts at number two in Lithuania, which is completely random and I'm super stoked that I'm, you know, impacting people that I never expected to. And we also ranked ranked in the charts in France. So, thank you so much to absolutely everybody that is listening, that is benefiting from this, that is taking screenshots and sharing this on social media, sharing this with friends that they think will benefit. I'm absolutely stoked. So, honestly, uh, thank you so much for helping me launch this and get it off the ground and getting this information into people's ears because I think virtually every human on the planet will be able to benefit from some of the things that I share on this show. So, thank you so much. All right, we need to get into it. So, what we're going to talk about today, as I said, is which fat is making you fat. So, there's lots of information out there today in all sorts of different directions. And what I want to do is I'm going to go through the... We're going to talk a little bit about the fats from a biological perspective and from a, a biochemistry perspective, physically, their physical structure. And we're going to, it's going to get a little bit sciencey today, but don't freak out. Don't feel intimidated. Stick around because the idea is by the end of it, you'll be able to explain to anybody you know what the difference is in all these fats and how to identify what is bad and what is good and where to find it. Because of course, it's, you know, we need to know where to get the good stuff. So, I think it's really important with nutrition information and dietetics information specifically, it's important to know the history of where things have been, where things are and where things are going. So, with that in mind, I want to move forward first with talking about a little bit of history from the 1950s because that's where the big fat lie began. (laughs) Trying to be apt with my wording there. But what I mean is that you might know the name Ansel Keys. So, Ansel Keys was a scientist and a physiologist and he contributed to the fat research in the field by conducting what is known as the Seven Countries Study. Now, this is an extremely famous study uh, for anybody that's in the nutrition and dietetic space whatsoever because this was the study that pretty much ruined the last 50 to 60 years worth of dietary information, guidelines, recommendations, suggestions, food food choices, because this is the study that was the foundation for the idea that there was a connection between fat intake and heart disease, right? Okay, so in the seventh country study, he published, now it's, I want to make an important distinction here, I'm going to talk about what he published and what 
his research contained. These are two separate contexts of the same information. So the seven countries study was what he published. He published seven countries data's worth comparing that heart disease contributed was contributed to by proportionally uh, by fat consumption. And the more fat that you ate, the more likely you are to develop heart disease. And obviously heart disease is often fatal in the long term if not treated appropriately. And you know, that's, it's obviously a terrible, terribly painful disease to have. So He published these seven countries, but what he didn't do, now this is super important, what he didn't do was publish the entire 22 countries worth of data that he actually had. Why did he not do that? Because guess what? The 15 countries that he missed out on publishing... Miss, I say missed out in quotation marks, is because those 15 uh, countries didn't fit the data. They didn't fit the hypothesis that he was trying to prove. So some countries had high heart disease and they were that was correlated with low fat intake and some countries had high fat intake and low prevalence of heart disease. The, com- you know, the complete opposites in both directions of what he was trying to prove. And so conveniently, he just didn't add that research which he actually did conduct into his data. So what in, in the research field, that's what's known as cherry picking the data. And it's surprisingly common, right? It's surprisingly common. So it's important to be, it's important to take a lot of research, not all research, but it's important to take a lot of research with a grain of salt. And that's why it's important to read a lot of research across the, the board, because a lot of different people are cherry picking and a lot of pe- different people aren't. And it's very hard, if not impossible to figure out who is. So um, and keep in mind, and we're talk, talking about the 1950s here as well. So regulatory bodies and uh, rules and laws were obviously not as uh, as good as they are today. And we obviously didn't have computers to keep all these people in check in in the different ways that systems do nowadays when it comes to research. All right, so. What happened as a result as of this 1958 study by Ansel Keys was that he became the front runner for his 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 own personal hypothesis known as the lipid hypothesis and this included two major points. One, saturated fat raises cholesterol. Two, cholesterol causes heart disease. So based on on the lipid hypothesis, the uh, USDA actually changed their guidelines, their dietary guidelines in 1977. So, this is, you know, this is um, almost 20 years after that study because obviously he went on to do further research and other researchers went to do further research to confirm those initial findings. And the USDA 1977 changed to essentially advise low-fat diet, high-carb diet, right? They wanted everyone to reduce fat as much as possible and up the carbs. They, I mean, to be fair, they recommended carbs should come from starchy vegetables. And I think whole, whole real foods is the best place to get any of the essential things that you need. But unfortunately, as we just need to look around, the last 50 years of dietary advice has not really produced many good results. Um, You know, we're talking the highest rates of obesity, the highest rates of heart disease, the highest rates of cancer, the highest rates of Alzheimer's, which is now being referred to as diabetes 3, type 3, um, and, you know, diabetes type 1, 2. You know, the last 50 years has contributed to the worst health or the worst sickness results in the world of the history of the entire world. So obviously this is terrible advice and it was um, by the, S- uh, the USDA in 1977 and it was all kicked off because of Ansel Key's initial extremely biased and extremely cherry-picked 
uh, research. So I think it's important to know the history because that's where we came from and that's where the things that your parents probably told you or maybe even your doctor, doctors aren't educated. Well, I should rephrase that. Doctors who haven't gone out of their way to be educated in nutrition are not educated in dietetics and nutrition. And that's the extreme vast majority of medical professionals are not educated in nutrition. And, you know, that's what we do to our bodies all day. We pump pump them full of nutrition, whether it's good or bad. So the fact our medical professionals are not in the know with that stuff still to this day is terribly shocking to me. But that's why people like me are motivated to get this information out there. So I want to go into um, talking about fat from a physical standpoint so that you can understand the difference because there's a lot of different types of fats, which again is another problem with Ansel Key's research that it was very generic in its information. Fat is bad was the message and that's the same with the USDA for a very long time. Fat is bad is a very generic statement and molecularly and physically and from a biochemistry standpoint, each single one behaves extremely differently because it's a different molecule. So, I want to get into talking about what they are physically, all right? So, a fat molecule is pretty much composed up of a glycerol glycerol head and fatty acid tails, which have what's called a carbon backbone. Now, don't feel uh, like, you you know, we're getting too sciencey here. Just, you can even, you could draw it with a finger on, on, on the table to, so you just want to circle as the head. Maybe it looks like, maybe it looks like a spaceship. So, you've got a circle at the top and three straight legs, right? So, that's pretty much what we're going to start with. And that is a saturated fat. So, a saturated fat means that the spaceship's three legs are perfectly straight and they're symmetrical with one another. And what the word saturated means is that it's actually saturated in hydrogen. So, it means all of the carbon bonds that are down each one of those spaceship legs are equally covered in hydrogen. So, it's saturated in hydrogen. And there's no spaces for any other hydrogen to join join the party. It's all evenly distributed and there's no space for anybody else. So, the idea is that these uh, saturated fats are, are compact because because they've got three perfectly straight legs. They're compact and they can stack on top of one another very easily. Therefore, at room temperature, they are solid. They are physical things that you can touch and hold because they because each molecule has been able to easily stack on top of one another. And that's things like contained in a lot of animal foods and animal products have uh, like, you know, meats and steaks and stuff like that. They have physical saturated fats in them and they're, they're solids and it also includes coconuts. So, the you know, the, the meat in the coconut is full of saturated fat. Again, it's a solid and also as palm oil. The next one we're going to talk about is unsaturated fat. So, unsaturated Unsaturated fat is not completely saturated in hydrogen molecules. Um, it has plenty of them. It's got lots of hydrogen molecules, but it's not saturated in them. And so, what it means is that at one or two locations, there's actually a hydrogen missing. Okay, so there's a vacant space, and what actually happens in that vacant space is that because the the carbon molecules can't connect to a hydrogen molecule, it creates what's called a double bond between two car- carbon atoms. Now, don't get too lost in the science of it. The important thing is to know that unsaturated fat has a double bond. Now, there are two types of saturated, uh, unsaturated, and there's monounsaturated and polyunsaturated. And um, you might have guessed already that monounsaturated is one 
double bond. Polyunsaturated has multiple. And to, to get back to the spaceship example, so we can visualize it or you can draw it. So it's the same glycerol head, round circle, and it's got say three legs in this instance and if it has a double bond one of those legs has a kink in it so it might be straight leg straight leg and then one leg that's got it like a knee like like a human knee um, and it's kinked out it's like maybe by a 45 degree angle so as you might be able to imagine having three legs and one with a kink in it it doesn't stack so easily, right? It doesn't stack together. And therefore, these oils, because they don't stack, the molecules don't stack evenly and comfortably at room temperature, these are liquids, right? So they're often, uh, they, you know, they're often found in avocados and nuts, um, but most commonly they're found in vegetable oils because at room temperature they're a liquid and therefore we're talking like olive oil and sort of peanut oil. Um, and it's important to note as well that um, a lot of unsaturated fats and saturated fats are found in nature. The very, very vast majority of them are found in nature. But the important thing to know is too that the human body can actually make saturated and unsaturated fats. Not all of them, but most of them that we require. And there is a lot of them. As long as, of course, you're eating a healthy whole real food diet, which allows, which provides the body with the, the raw materials that it needs in order to physically construct these molecules inside your body for use. Now, the only ones that it doesn't have is is the very vast majority of the polyunsaturated fatty acids and omega-3s and omega-6s, which must be physically consumed through your diet. And actually, side note, a lot of vegans have issues with their omega-3 and omega-6 balance because a lot of that kind of stuff that we get is from animal products. And um, a lot of vegans have health issues a couple of years in, and we actually spoke about this on last week's episode, episode number 10, with registered nutritionist Sheridan Hauser because she used to be a vegan and actually had an issue with her omega balance um, and, and therefore is no longer vegan. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. So um, it's interesting that that happens for a lot of vegans just because they don't have enough animal products in their diet to get the right amounts. So the dietary fat is required because... 
it actually the fat contributes to the um, the membrane of our cells. Virtually every cell in your body has its cell wall, the the wall that keeps everything on the inside, and that cell wall is full of fat. It's fat molecules. Um, it's both saturated and unsaturated, and there's a ratio in which each cell uh, manage tries to manage this ratio so that there's enough of both in the cell wall so that it can manage the permeability. Now, permeability is pretty much the ability for things to go in and out, just like, uh, say, like a water filter. You know, it's permeable. You put the water in, it's not completely clear, but it goes. It eventually goes through. So, it's 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 got a degree of permeability. And that's the same idea with our cells, is that our cells need to be able to let different things in and out so that it can maintain the cell, the, the, it can maintain our immune system, it can maintain how our neurons function, all of these types of things. So, the gaps. So, remember that saturated fats stack together nice and tightly. So, so they they have no gaps in between. But the reason we need unsaturated fats, and remember the unsaturated fat has a kink in the leg, has a bend in the leg. The reason we need these in our cell walls is because wherever there's a bend in the leg, that allows space, physical space, for molecules to be able to go in and out of the cell. And for instance, if you had a cell that was completely saturated fats, therefore no kinks, no bends, it means that it would literally be a solid structure and nothing could go in and nothing could go out. And that would be terrible because your cells would not be able to function, you wouldn't be able to transport things around the body, and you would eventually die. Well, not eventually, probably pretty rapidly. So um, so that's the reason we need a balance or a ratio of saturated saturated to unsaturated because we need the saturated to provide the rigidity of the cell wall, but we need the unsaturated to allow allow molecules to be transported in and out of the cell. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So, um, the problem is though that in Western diets, and we're talking the standard American diet or the standard Australian diet or the standard British diet, is that the recommended diet is too high in saturated fats. And that means that everybody's cell walls are getting full of solid sections. They're lacking the porous sections or the permeable sections. And as you your diet goes up in saturated fat and down in unsaturated fat, your cells are becoming slowly over time less and less permeable. And the small and when you've got less gaps and less uh, less ability for things to go in and out, your cells are going to be, begin to be starved of the things that they need because certain molecules will be too big to go in. Certain molecules won't be able to get in at all the ratio of what needs to go in and what needs to go out will be out of whack and therefore it reduces cell function and responsiveness and all sorts of negative health outcomes will result of this poor permeability. So, and that's actually most important when it comes to fat molecules when it comes to the nervous system because um, our brain actually prioritizes fat for fuel, right? And the uh, fat molecules, because the responsiveness of our cells is most important within our neurons and our nervous system. So, obviously, our nervous system's in our brain primarily. That's where the center is um, and got heaps of stuff going on. And we need, and the more permeable, um, and the more permeable the cells are in our brain and in our nervous system, the faster that messages can get around. It's like an electricity cable that you plug in. The, the better the insulation, the faster the electricity moves. It's the same for your nervous system. And not, not only that, but saturated and unsaturated fat ratio contributes to the development and growth of the, what's known as the myelin sheath. So a myelin sheath is what insulates 
the neurons as they travel or what they travel along. And therefore, the be- again, the better the insulation, the-, the faster the message gets around your body. So having these good, healthy fats in your body are imperative, absolutely imperative to the function of your nervous system. And this probably explains for anybody that's on a keto diet that might have experienced that mental clarity that everyone talks about. It's a really common feature of the ketogenic diet is mental clarity. And it's the same when you're fasting, when you're doing um, sort of extended water fast. You might even get it on just a 24-hour fast as well. But that mental clarity, because when your whole system, especially on the keto diet, is operating on fat, it's getting lots and lots of healthy fat all the time. Your brain reaches peak performance because it has all the tools that it needs to uh, to operate at peak all of the time. So that's where the mental clarity comes from. So some people might be familiar with that. Now, before I move forward, I just want to talk quickly about LDL and HDL because a lot of people get this wrong without realizing, and that includes medical professionals. The way they communicate doesn't really communicate the exact true nature of what we're talking about. So, LDL and HDL stand for low-density lipoprotein and high-density lipoprotein. These are actually not cholesterol. A lot of people say, my good cholesterol, my bad cholesterol, these are actually not cholesterol molecules. What they actually are, they're proteins, and they're actually, I want you to think of them as baskets or bags or wagons or whatever it might be, trailers, they are actually proteins that transport cholesterol around the body. So, it's a little bit different to it actually being the cholesterol itself. So, I just wanted to clear that up before we move forward because I want to talk about the fact that unsaturated fats, they're deemed healthier because they reduce your LDL, which is in quotation marks, bad cholesterol, um, and they increase your good cholesterol, which is HDL, right? And that's how it would normally be communicated to you. Um, And saturated fats increase both LDL and HDL. So, you can see unsaturated fats are better because they reduce... The, the LDL, which is, you know, the bad one. Um, and But of course, we haven't answered the question yet, which fat is making us fat? You might have guessed by now, it is trans fat, which the World Health Organization say is the cause of 500,000 deaths per year and contributes to many, many more. Heaps and heaps of deaths involve the consumption of trans fats. Now, trans fat is essentially an unsaturated fat, so it has a double bond, but there's a butt here, but the bond does not cause a kink in the legs. So, it's an unsaturated fat disguising itself or masquerading as a saturated fat, right? So, it's got a double bond, but it has a straight leg. Now, it's important to understand that this is synthetic. This does not happen in nature, right? So, the body doesn't have the necessary tools to actually break trans fats down because they don't occur in nature and therefore, we didn't evolve any metabolic pathways that can deal with these. And of course, they're really bad for us because they increase the bad LDL and they decrease the good HDL. So, I guess the question is, so why if trans fat does not occur in nature, why is it a thing? Well, guess what? You've probably figured out why. Corporate dollars, right? They discovered that um, that they could make these trans fats and through a process called hydrogenation or partial hydrogenation, um, and they could mimic the behavior of the ex- expensive animal fats. So therefore, they didn't have to extract the animal fats from the meat. You know, so they were solid at room temperature, so they were easily used. And of course, they had some massive benefits to the food industry, st- such as extending shelf life, flavor changes 
There's all sorts of different flavors as a result of different trans fats. Texture changes, uh, longer shelf life uh, for the oil, for oils themselves and different products that they're contained within. And oil companies could, uh, you know, water down their, their high quality oil with trans fat because it, it, re- it prevented or it delayed the onset of rancidity, the oils going rancid, and it, you know, they could, their expensive product could go further. So, you know, it was a great little invention for corporate business. Now, which foods contain trans fat? This is important. So, we're talking like margarine, donuts, fish and chips, shortening, crackers, croissants, uh, cookies, you know, lots of different bakery goods, crisps, chips, most fast food, and things like frozen pies and pizzas and ready-to-go stuff all contains loads of trans fats. And a diet high in trans fat has been correlated with memory loss, heart disease, funnily enough, you know, that comes back to the original message, but it's actually trans fats that contribute to the heart problems. And of course, weight gain and obesity. Interestingly, the FDA banned the use of trans fat in the middle of 2018 and predicted it would and predicted it would take several years to phase these out. Of course, you know there's lots of business all over the world that uses trans fat, um, and of course it will take a couple of years for companies financially to figure it out, especially those major fast food chain. So, of course, you want to walk away with from this knowing how to avoid trans fat, right? Well. It's best to limit, reduce, or eliminate all foods that I mentioned before because the, rec- the dietary recommendations for trans-, uh, trans fat are to keep your consumption as low as possible. Of course, you can read food labels to find out what's in the food, but remember, when you're dealing with food-grade products, from a legal perspective, the laws are fairly lax and therefore the whole truth is rarely on the packaging if it's not good for your health. And definitely stay away from fried fast food chains because it is high likely that your favorite fast food chain is loaded with trans fats. And an important note that I just want to uh, reference in regards to the fact that they've made they're banning trans fats is that even when your favorite fast food chain or favorite foods that contain trans fats no longer do because the laws have changed, uh, it's important to acknowledge the fact that the absence of trans fat doesn't make these things healthy just because, you, you know, the local... Uh, the local fish and chip place no longer uses trans fat doesn't mean that massive consumption of heated oils in your potato, in the chips and in, in the fish is good for you. So the absence of trans fat does not all of, an, all of a sudden make these poor food choices healthy choices, right? So it's important that you understand that because donuts are pretty much always going to be bad, <laughs> right? So, but you know what they say, moderation and balance, I hate those two words personally because they're so vague and so subjective and I'll do a whole podcast on that, but I just wanted to mention that. So, how do we get good good healthy fats into our diet? Always, as I say, whole real food all of the time and add avocado to everything. That's the best way to get the healthy fats into the diet. So, that's pretty much it for today. I appreciate you guys jumping on. I hope you learned something and please, you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of those. And for the Instagrammers out there, out there if you learned something, please take a screenshot of this episode and share it with a friend or share it as your story on social media or Instagram and please tag me because I love to know who's watching and I'll be able to give you a shout out because it's I really love to see who's learning and what they're learning. 
Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much. And I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.